Good morning and welcome. Glad that you're here today. Very grateful for the opportunity to be together. We pray that it'll be a good day. Very grateful for the opportunity to be together to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're going to be talking about heaven, the place called heaven. We just sang about, he about heaven and we're going to be thinking about that in just a moment or two. Before we do so, I do want to express appreciation to all of you who may be visiting. As always, we invite you to come back. We're so grateful for those that come our way from week to week. We're blessed to have a number of guests each and every week, and we want you to know that we appreciate your presence, and we want you to leave here uplifted. If you're looking for a church home, as always, we invite you to consider the work here. We would love to have you come and be a part of this work. <clears throat> I want us to look at several passages of Scripture today as we think about the place called heaven. I mentioned a moment ago that we have been singing about heaven. For many of us, we talk about heaven, think about heaven, read about heaven, and ultimately desire to one day be in heaven. I would hope and pray that all of us will one day be together in the place called heaven. God wants you to be in heaven. As a matter of fact, the Bible assures us over and over again that God's ultimate desire is that for the human family to be saved. And so, please, don't leave here today thinking that God is not interested in you as a human being. Please don't leave here today with the idea that God is not interested in your eternal well-being. As we think about the place called heaven, there are so many verses that we could look at, and obviously because of time, we won't have time to look at all of those verses. The impetus behind why I am preaching this sermon today is the result of a text that I received about three weeks ago. One of our members texted me, who is facing an uphill battle, a very serious battle, and asked that I preach on heaven. My response was, I would love to. For many of us, life is a joyful thing. It's hard for us to imagine life coming to an end. And yet we know that at some point in time, life as we know it will cease. You know, the Hebrew writer said, It is appointed unto man once to die. After this cometh the judgment. And so, yes, death is a reality. We understand that whether we like it or not, at some point in time, We'll leave this world. When the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said, the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knew that death was imminent. And yet, if you look at Paul's perspective, I don't think it was one of gloom and doom, but rather joyful expectation. Paul had said that we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. 
We've said on a number of occasions that the best way to live is the Christian life. It is the best life. It is the blessed life. I believe that, and I hope you do. Sometimes we don't appreciate what the Bible has to say about heaven until we realize that our time here on planet Earth is short. And then we come face to face with our mortality. And so, I want us to look at this lesson today with a fresh perspective. And I want us to look at it not from a negative vantage point, but from a positive, a joyful vantage point. I want to begin today by first of all talking about heaven is a better place. It is a beautiful place. It is a boundless place. And I want you to think about those characteristics because we're going to be looking at them to some degree. In the way, I guess, that I've laid this lesson out, I want to begin today by first talking about the beauty of heaven. The fact that heaven is a beautiful place. There's no way that I can adequately describe for you the beauty of heaven. I do want you to understand that the source of heaven is the Lord. The Bible tells us that the Lord has promised us a home in heaven. Not only has He promised us a home in heaven, but He has prepared for us a home in heaven. In John chapter 14, a passage that we all know by heart, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. Words of comfort spoken to the apostles. Words that are intended to convey encouragement, comfort, assurance to us today. As we think about the source of heaven, it has been promised to us by none other than the Lord. And as I said a moment ago, He has promised us a home in heaven. He has prepared for us a home in heaven. But think with me for a moment or two about the splendor of the city. Many of us have had the opportunity to visit any number of cities throughout America. Some of the places that you've been, some of the places that I've had the privilege of visiting in days gone by, some literally breathtaking. And I think about the privilege, the opportunity that I've had to be on the East Coast, the West Coast, to spend time in the South, to see some of the majesty of God's handiwork. And I think about the words of the psalmist when he said, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament, he said, shows his handiwork. Everywhere that we go in this world, we see evidence of a divine God. A God who spoke this world into existence and who clothed it in beauty. I mean, just think about the seasons, the fall, and the beauty of the leaves as they begin to change colors. And then winter. And then the emergence of spring. And all of those beautiful colors as they come to life. And as 
Life as we know it literally comes to life again. The summertime. When you think about all of the beauty that God has bestowed on us in this world that we call home, and then try to compare that to heaven, not possible. When I think about heaven and the beauty that is described in Scripture, and the Bible uses accommodative language to help us get some idea of what heaven, heaven will look like, but I don't think that words will do heaven justice in many ways. So in Revelation chapter 21, John had said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and he said, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. In verse 9, John said that he was instructed, Come, I'll show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. He talks about the gates of the city, the size of the city, down in verse 16. He said he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, approximately 1,500 miles square. One writer has said heaven would accommodate some 43 trillion apartments, to try to put that into perspective. Of course, we're talking about figurative language here. The point simply being that heaven will be spacious enough to accommodate all of God's people of all ages. Drop down if you would. In verse 21, John said the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there, which reminds us of the security of the city. The fact that we will live in a place where God will be our protector. Never again will we have to fear crime and those who would seek to do us harm here on planet earth. So, the beauty, the majesty of heaven. We could read any number of verses and we could try to picture heaven and yet to know that one day it will be a reality. Second thing I want to share with you, first we think about heaven being a beautiful place, but secondly, heaven will be a better place. What do I mean when I say heaven will be a better place? Well, let me try to answer that if I can. 
Heaven will be a better place because, first and foremost, of who will be there. When you think about heaven, imagine, if you can, being in the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine being face-to-face with the Lord? Listen again to verse 23. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. In verse 3 of chapter 22, John said, There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. So there's coming a day when we will be in the presence of God forevermore. You can go back and read For example, in Revelation chapter 4, the Bible pictures the throne room of God. In chapter 5, the throne room of the Lamb. And God and the Lamb, worthy of worship. And we'll be there one day. So you think about, we'll be in the presence of the Lord. We'll be also in the presence of the people of the Lord. There are a lot of great people that have gone on before us. If you could meet one person in heaven, who would it be? You ever thought about who you would want to just sit down and converse with? There are so many great characters in Scripture. There are so many great men and women of God who live such sterling lives. I think about people of great inspiration. Can you imagine being in the presence of some of God's as we would say, heroes of faith, people like Joseph? Or what about being in the presence of Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb, David, Daniel, Jeremiah? What about being in the presence of John the Apostle, Paul, Stephen, some of God's great servants of days gone by. And then, from a personal vantage point, being with people that you have known and loved. It might be a mate, could be a child, a sibling, a friend, but to think that one day we will all be together forevermore in the presence of God and in the presence of His people. You know, John said in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. And He said their works do follow them. And so to know that one day we will be in that heavenly city with the Lord and with His people. Heaven's going to be a better place because of who will be there. Heaven will be a better place because of what will not be there. Back in Hebrews chapter 11, the passage that was read a moment ago, the writer talks about those great men and women of God who look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He identified them as strangers and pilgrims on earth. And he said, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. 
Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. And so, heaven will be a better place, not only because of who will be there, but because of what will not be there. Let me direct your attention to Revelation 21, verse 4. And I want you to listen to John as he speaks of heaven and some of the things that will not accompany us into that city. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In that same context, he says that there will be no more crying. In other words, no more sadness. There are a lot of times in life that because of certain situations and circumstances, we're brought to tears. There will be people that will go to bed tonight with tears running down their cheeks. And yet, John said, there's coming a day in which the Lord will wipe away every tear. And then he said, listen to him, there will be no more death. Death is described as the last enemy to be destroyed. The Bible tells us that Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Death holds sway over the human family. And every day death stalks the land. Counts, countless numbers of people step out into eternity. The cemeteries are full of people who have gone before us. And yet John is telling us there's coming a day when there will never be another death. Don't you want to be in a place like that? I mean, don't you want to be in a place where there will, there will be no more sadness? There will be no more separation? Never again will we have to say goodbye to somebody that we love? I told you a while back about a friend of mine that called me, a friend that had been a mentor, a teacher, a brother. We'd been friends for a long, long time. And he called me and asked me if I would conduct his funeral. We sat back in May in his home and talked about what it would be like to be on the other side. I conducted his funeral in, in July of this year. I think about him all the time. I know that his body resides in the cemetery as we speak, but I know there's coming a day that same body that was planted in the ground will come forth to the resurrection of life. The Bible says there will be no more sorrow, no more heartache, no more hurting from injustices in life and the problems of life. And then he says, and there shall be no more pain. Almost as if he were putting an exclamation on it to say, look, in this beautiful city, God's going to wipe away every tear there's not going to be any more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. He said, there will be no more pain for the former things that passed away. Can you imagine that? 
being in a land where we're free from all of these problems. So I would ask you, don't you think heaven's a better place? It's a better place from my vantage point. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, For to me to live is Christ, to die says gain. Then in verse 23, here's what Paul said, To depart and be with Christ. Listen to him. He said, is far better. Do you think the Apostle Paul had some appreciation for what lies on the other side? Don't you think the Apostle Paul understood the world in which we live is weighed down with heartache and sorrow and trials and tribulations and temptations. And life is filled with so many injustices. And yet to know that there is a city that awaits us. A city called heaven. I would also say that heaven's a better place. We're talking about because of what is not in it. It'll be a better place because there won't be any more sin. Listen to verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Look at verse 27. And there shall by no means enter it, Anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. To think that we will one day be free from temptation, free from the advances of the devil, that we won't have to, to face temptation and trial anymore. And we won't have to worry about living around people that would hurt us and try to destroy us physically. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study. Heaven, it's a beautiful place. It's a better place. It is a boundless place. What do I mean by that? That heaven is a boundless place. Well, it's an eternal place, isn't it? I want you to think about a couple of things with regard to heaven being a boundless place. Number one, I want to suggest to you that there will be no erosion in heaven. Can you imagine being in a city, being in a place that is perpetually new? This past summer, I had the opportunity to go home to spend some time in my hometown. And while it's still home in many respects, I can't tell you how much has changed. People have changed. The people that I've known through the years, they've changed, believe it or not. And then the city. The city's changed. A lot of erosion. Things that at one time used to look pristine, showing their age. The city that I called home for so long has changed in so many ways. It doesn't look the same, and rightly so. 
I suspect that your hometown has changed. And there are places that you probably frequented in days gone by. And maybe that place or those places have changed dramatically. You see, that's the way the world in which we live is. Things are changing. But Peter said that we have an inheritance. And he said, it is incorruptible, it's undefiled. And listen to him, he said, it fades not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Can you imagine being in a city that is continually beautiful? To be in a place where erosion and time no longer holds sway. That's what we're talking about, the place called heaven. So there'll be no erosion in heaven. And then, best of all, there'll be no end to heaven. In Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus talks about that great and final day when He'll sit upon the throne of His glory, and He said all nations will be gathered before Him. He'll begin to separate them as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. To those on the right hand, He said, Come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Down in verse 46, He said, These shall go away into everlasting life you see we're going to a place that knows no end we live in a world that is marked by time don't we we had a beginning date and unless the Lord comes again even if he does come it'll signal the end won't it we have a beginning we have an ending to our physical life but there is a part of us that is eternal. So one day we're going to be in eternity. And those of us that have lived for God, the promise is we'll go home to be with Him forevermore. Jesus said that much in John 14. I don't know when the Lord's coming. I have no idea. Nor do you. But I know this that there is coming a day when He will come. And the heaven that we have read about, that we've studied about, that we've talked about, that we've prayed about, that we have thought about, one day it will be a reality. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, we know that if the earthly house, this tabernacle, be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal, listen to him, eternal in the heavens. He would later say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul is now with the Lord. And there's coming a day when we too will be with the Lord. The friend of mine that I said sent me a text wanted me to preach about heaven. I'm happy to do that. I don't know how much time any of us has left. I just know we need to make the most of the time that we do have left and cherish every day 
and live every day like it might be our last. It might be the case that you're here today and your life's not what it ought to be. And right now, you don't live in hope of life eternal. The good news is you can leave here today a child of God. What would you need to do? Well, put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins. Repent of your sins. Turn from them. Confess the name of Christ and then be immersed in water just like they did 2,000 years ago on Pentecost Day. And the Bible says you will enjoy the forgiveness of all your sins. And then just be faithful. If you're here today and your life's not what it ought to be, and you know that you need the prayers of the church, look, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. We would be more than happy to pray with you and to encourage you to live a faithful life so that one day you can be in heaven. I want to close by asking you this question. When it's all said and done, and the smoke has cleared, as we say, will you be in heaven as we stand and sing?